Well, we're back for the episode three of RWP's Inside the Pavilion and straight off the bat, joined by Nick Jewell alongside Neil Williams and Jay Salbris. Tugger, thanks for joining us. Lads, how are you? Uh, yeah, really good, mate. Obviously, it's been a pretty tough uh, few days for the people around uh, in cricket uh, circles in Australia. Yeah, sure has. It's been a, been a really bad ordinary week. Uh, a couple of legends um, leaving us. So, um, you know, you, you get that in life and and when you certainly when you get to my age and, you, and your idols are a fair bit older, um, probably start to happen more and more, but certainly... Um, Warney's case, 52, it's uh, way too young and, and bloody tragic. Nick, you played with him at, at St Kilda, but he would have been on other duties. Uh, did, how many times do you reckon you actually end up in the same side as Warney? Oh, lots. Uh, played with Victoria, with him for Victoria for 10 years as well. So, um, oh, I couldn't, yeah, lost count. 20, 30 times probably. Oh, great, yeah. What's, what's your lasting memory as, he, just, as a cricketer, I reckon? We'll start with that. Yeah. Just a competitor, someone who um, didn't matter whether he was playing for Australia, Victoria, or we saw what he did for Australia, but um, if he played for Victoria or St Kilda, it was game on. When he um, when he crossed the white line, he was pretty relaxed in the rooms, but as um, soon as it was time to bowl the ball, but certainly the thing that struck me at St Kilda when he, when he came to play with the Saints, he, he came to play. Um, he wasn't just there because there was something in Cricket Victoria or Cricket Australia said, you know, it's back to back to club land. He, he turned up to win. He, um, no matter what he did, he turned up to win. They, uh, when you hear people talking uh, about him, some of the English commentators and you know, Hussain, some of these guys, they talk about how he tried to get inside the heads of the batsmen and they tried not to happen. Did, did you sort of – could you actually see that when he's part of your team? Oh, absolutely. He um, – he had a fast bowler's mentality. The way he stared the batsman down, his energy through the crease. He created energy. He had a great saying of bowl defensively with an attacking field. Um, and a lot of bowlers get it the wrong way around. They put the three slips in and two gullies and a, a point bowl the seven-two field, and then you know try and, and bowl at the stumps and get the four through mid wicket. So he'd be the opposite. He put the defense um, attacking fields in and just made sure he bowled defensive balls and wait for a, wait for a batsman to make a mistake. He, he He'd set them up. He played a long game. It's, it takes a great skill mentally and physically to be able to plan that and exec- execute it uh, over a long period and, and playing against the best in the world, of course. So, um, he always some, some sayings that always stuck stuck with me was find a way, no matter how bad the situation is, just find a way. Um, you're you're never out of the contest. Another one was always always put two for twenty on the score. If you're in the field and it's four for one hundred and fifty, you think, oh. You know, starting to be trouble here, but you you put two, two for twenty on it, and it's it's six for one seventy. All of a sudden, it's a different ball game. Mm. And same mentality if you're batting and you're cruising at cruising at one none for ninety, and then you're two for one hundred and ten. Well, it's a different ball game. So he, he viewed the game in a great way. Um, he was always always ready to um, take on the contest, and but he's a great thinker of the game too. Yeah, Tug, you headed up to the Junction Oval on Saturday uh, to have a few cans with a few of your ex-teammates uh, to celebrate Warney's life. What was that like, mate? Oh, it was great. Yeah, it was great to uh, great to be back at the Junction Oval after such a long time for myself um, and, and great to be around the St Kilda people, an amazing club. We've, we had amazing success over 
my 10 or so years there with premierships and Warnie was a big part of that. He, he didn't play in premierships uh, in our time, but he played a lot of the home and away games. But um, just to tell some of the stories that the guys at Graffy was there and Jono and, you know, the guys that started with um, Dave Robinson when Graffy, uh, when, um, when Warnie was a kid coming through, they started him on his journey to, you know, the, the younger guys that my age that played with him through. There was probably a lot of stories we can't tell you right here. Yeah. <laughs> There were some terrific ones. That one that came to mind that he came back to play for us. That I, I always remember. He came back to play. It says a bit about him. That, uh, we played Richmond at Punt Road, and it ended up being a tie in the end. But um, he was he came back on on workload duties. Uh, the, the fitness staff at the time, all the whiz bang, new new methods. You're only allowed to bowl a certain number of overs or a certain number of balls during the week. Quicks were only allowed to bowl 30 balls in the nets and. Um, so Warden came back with workloads. He was allowed to bowl eight or ten overs or something for the day, and it was back in the days. Well, it might still might be a hundred overs per side uh, in the field, and um, it, so we had to work out how we we're going to use him for, for his overs. They bowled him with four or five, and then another three, and then another. Anyway, it got close, and it was it was it started to be a bit overcast, and I think we we set him to in mid two hundreds. Anyway, in the end, they needed we needed two wickets, and there was. Oh, four or five runs to get. And from the last spell when we put Warney on um, for his last batch of three overs to finish his 12, I think he finished the day with 28 overs he bowled um, and, and wouldn't give the ball back. He, he, you can imagine what we said when you said, uh, you got to stop, mate. The fitness advisors said you bowled, you're only allowed to bowl 12. He bowled, a, uh, he bowled, I think it was 28, it might be 24. It was, it was certainly into the 20s. He, he more than doubled the amount he was allowed to bowl on the day because there was a game to be won <laughs> and uh, he was going to win the game. Tug, um, Warnie, when he came back, uh, came to Victoria or St Kilda, uh, obviously very highly regarded and everyone looking up to him. Who, who were the guys that he would look to, to? Who were the guys that he kind of looked up to um, when he came back? Yeah, he's very, very close with Graffy, um, Warren Whiteside. Um, full of respect for blokes like um, David Johnson and Dave Robinson, who again started him on their on his journey when he was a young kid coming through the seconds and thirds, thirds and seconds. Um, very respectful. Uh, he loved the clock. Our team manager, who's famous, famous uh, around Australia, the clock. Um, he he really loved loved the clock. Um, he just he loved the uh, tradition of St Kilda. He's, I've never met a bloke who probably loves the history uh, of the game, um, Australian cricket history, state cricket, and, and even the history of St Kilda Cricket Club. He he still respects East Sandringham, his his junior club, and I hear him, used to hear him often talk about East Sandy and the lessons he learnt down there. Just a really um, historian almost of the game. He, you wouldn't think it, but the rock and roller um, movie star type. You know, greatest sportsman cricketer we've had. It was such a such a history buff. He uh, he really was. He loved the loved everything about the game. And he he on field as a leader is off uh, was often a topic of discussion. Um, what was your take on on how he would have gone as a leader? I think you've probably touched on it already, but yeah, how, how did you see him um, as a potential leader on field? Well. Uh, Certainly, the way he set batsmen up and the way he was thinking ahead of the game, uh, there probably none better than him. There may be a few equal with him, but there's not too many that would be better than than Warney at thinking thinking ahead and, and planning an innings and setting up a, a run chase. You saw that probably the work he did with 
Rajasthan Royals in their first year. Um, they probably had the lowest spend that year in the in the IPL and won the premiership just with some tactical recruiting and, and game plans. No doubt he would have been an outstanding captain. We, we would have played an aggressive brand of cricket, 100, but would have been really good to watch. Um, in terms of, he was quite ruthless too, though, if you weren't performing or you, or you, or you, you weren't up to your standards or uh, expected standards. He didn't tolerate fools or underperformance. He, uh, he expected the best out of everyone. He expected the best out of himself. Um, my, I think my second game for South Australia, I, uh, against South Australia at the MCG, it was a day-night game, and I'd never batted under lights before. And uh, Jason Gillespie was playing at the time, and it was when Dizzy was at his, at his peak. And uh, the lights were on, and the buzzer went inside the rooms, and I put the helmet on and ready to go out to bat. And uh, Warney was me and Jason Armberger and myself, and... Warney grabbed me just before we went out and he said, now, have you faced Dizzy before? I said, no, it's my second game, Shane. <laughs> I have faced him before. Um, I've seen him on TV, though, and he said, okay, I, I need you to do two things for me. You've got to have quick hands and quick feet because he's bloody fast. Good luck, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't say bloody. It was a bit more colourful. Yeah. And uh, tapped, tapped me on the ass and said, all the best, champ. And <laughs> walked off and it was... Uh, I, I seriously stood there for 20 seconds thinking, oh, what, what's just happened? Trying to comprehend what he wanted me to do. And the last thing I could think about, Dizzy's bloody fast, Dizzy's bloody fast. <laughs> was, uh, anyway, that was him. It was um, yeah, in the deep end and find a way. Another one of his sayings, find a way. And you just mentioned about the sports scientists and, and things like that. And his diet has been well publicised in the last couple of uh, days. Uh, what was it like just watching him, or, or uh, when you come in at lunch and he's and he's got his lasagna rolls and things like that? <laughs> yeah, it's well publicised, but there's often times he wouldn't eat. You know, you'd be you go through the, the lunch break and he he wouldn't eat. He'd know he'd probably have a, a fair bowl stint ahead of him, so have a fag and a cup of coffee and <laughs> um, back out there and a red, or a Red Bull and off he'd go. He wouldn't, uh, but he'd always have a plate of food put aside or, or a, a, toast, a couple of toasted cheese sandwiches ready to go when we got off. Um, but, I, yeah, I, I just think he was – he was so. if we were batting, a different story, but he was so in the contest. Um, and no one ever said anything. If, if anyone else did it, we would have been pulled aside and given a fair talking to, I reckon. But we didn't have 700 test wickets to our name, so it doesn't matter. Um <laughs> But yeah, it was it was almost you know blokes looking looking at each other, trying to get eye contact and sort of motion over to the corner of the room where Warney was sitting. Are you watching this? He's watching what he's doing, <laughs> tasting the ham and salad and carrot. And I remember him saying, "Who has carrot in a roll?" <laughs> As he scooped it into the bin and replaced it with sandboy chips. But uh, that was the uh, all geniuses have their weird and wonderful ways, don't they? Hmm. Tug, we liked to always when we were younger talk about how we got how we would go facing Shane Warne. Um, you've actually lived it, obviously uh, uh, training with him and and the like. Uh, how did you go against him? Yeah, not not that he bowled too much. When he did bowl the training, he generally bowled medium paces or or would just roll roll the arm over um, very gently. But field, certainly fielding in a game and uh, at St Kilda, either at first slip or lucky enough to field at Silly Point a few times uh, in close. You could hear the ball fizzing down the wicket like a um, – just trying to – you know, if you, hit it, if you hear a golf ball go past your head, someone hits a golf ball, you can hear the wind through the air. You could, hear the, you could actually hear the seam rotating down the pitch. It was amazing. I've never – haven't seen any or faced or played any other spinners where you can hear the ball cutting through the wind coming down the pitch. Um, really, just – that's intimidating in itself, uh, how much how much work he had on the ball, side spin, over spin and – 
those, his fingers were like little chipolatas, those fat sausages. So was a strong, short, <laughs> little stubby. Uh, it really was. And that people talk about his skill and his guile and everything. But if you if you ever saw his hands, they were the they were the chubbiest, strongest looking. If you ever did a game of what was that, what was that game you used to do with your with your brother, um, and you you connect your fingers and try and see who's caved first. Um, oh, yeah, the thumb yeah. walls or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, you put all your, you interlock your fingers and then just see who can who can get each other down to their knees. He'd <laughs> be, be a world champion at that. They were the thickest, uh, strongest fingers. I've got no doubt that's part of the ability how we managed to get so many revs on the ball. Um, that might have just been you and Simon, mate, with with your whole man <laughs> saying who was the strongest. Uh, uh, Hulk Hogan and uh, King Kong Bundy used to do the same thing. <laughs> Growing up, it, there you go. He had King Kong Bundy fingers, but um, that's I've got no doubt that that's how he, he had so much work on the, on the ball and how he managed to get the flipper out at such paces. They were they were amazing. They were really sort of strongly, almost like Bricky's hands, old, old Bricky's and Concrete's hands. They were just strong as an ox. Nick, the other thing that's become evident this week is the number of photos that people are able to uh, to put up on online or Facebook or, or wherever with them with warning. He was really generous with his time, wasn't he? Oh, absolutely. Especially especially if you were polite. He was um, never – probably haven't met anyone who was such a stickler for manners mm-hmm. um, as, as warning. Yes, thank you, please. Um, if he asked for something from a room attendant or, or, or an assistant coach – or a teammate, the 12th man, it was always manners involved. And if anyone came up to him and was rude or brash or felt like they they deserved a autograph or a photo or a selfie because they're a supporter, if they didn't say please or thank you, um, they were reminded about it pretty quickly. Um, he was just a, you know, a bloke's bloke, a knockabout. What I read the other day, he liked loud music, be, uh, had a drink, smoked and bowled leg spin. He's yeah. just a knockabout bloke, but but he was a stickler for manners and, and being polite. Um, but if you weren't polite back, he was quick, certainly real quick to um, to fix the situation. Mm. But uh, if anyone who said please and thank you, they always got a photo or a, or a signature or whatever it might be. He's super generous. He'd, he'd bring down bags of, bags of spikes, bags of clothes, bags of runners every time he, he appeared for us. Um, no, he, he was terrific. Very, very good, uh, very good teammate. Someone that you just wanted to go out and mm. obviously the aura of the guy, but um, someone you just wanted to play for, go out and, and play with. And just before we let you go, Tug, uh, you were actually in a in the bit of the media the last uh, week or so, reminiscing on how you got the nickname, and uh, <laughs> it, it was great to have a read. And um, you've you've told me this story uh, after a couple, but it was great. Uh, to see the opposition obviously still get stuck into you off the pitch. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, twenty odd years. It obviously left an in, uh, left an impression with them on debut. So that was um, good to see. I had a bit of a laugh about it. I actually spoke to Brad Williams during the week, um, gave him a buzz, and uh, had a laugh about it together. It was yeah, it was uh, that that interview was done well before Christmas. I, I actually forgot it was coming out, and then um, someone sent it to me, and then then the phone lit up over the next sort of day or so. It um, seemed that my name was splashed through it a fair bit, which is uh, which is a good laugh. So, That's unlike uh, your name. <laughs> that was the way. That was the way I got taught to play. That was the way the game was played back then. Um, and you know, just the way. Uh, you know, whether it's right or wrong, or it's, at the time there was you really didn't know much different. It was uh, Sheffield Shield was a was a brutal breeding ground. That's why Australia was so good. Um, 
people who played and survived Sheffield Shield or dominated Sheffield Shield, they most of them came through and dominated international cricket because it was really a uh, it was a tough playground. And you know, that, <laughs> so my theory, you had to be tough to try and survive. You know, whether it's fake or not. Fake it till you make it, AJ. So yeah. I thought I'd uh, I'll roll with that because I certainly wasn't going to be Brad Hodge or, or Matthew Elliott. So I had to find another way to survive. And just the last one before we do let you go, your first love footy, first practice match last night. How'd the boys go? Yeah, great to be back. It? It's um, been a tough couple of years. Cricket's been lucky. It's got through pretty much un, unscathed the last few years considering what everyone else has been through. And footy's, footy's copped the, uh, the, the raw end of the deal. So it's... Um, and a lot of clubs are hurting you know, player participation and volunteers. A lot of the people have got out of the routine of Tuesday, Thursday night or pre-season and, and game day. So it's great to be back. Hopefully we get a, a season that's not affected because it's such a big part of this town and, and communities. And, and certainly on the Mornington Peninsula, footy's huge um, for everyone who lives down here. So, And for junior clubs and kids at school, it's, uh, it's, it's really important that if we had a third season in a row that, either gets cancelled or cut off halfway, I'm really concerned where it might might leave some clubs. Well, mate, thanks for coming on and having a chat about the great man and all the best for the season coming up. My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks, Mick. Yeah. There you go.